You're listening to Maternal Monitor. Here's your host, Jamin Wilson. Welcome to Maternal Monitor, everyone, where we talk about the many stages of motherhood. For our last podcast, I got a ton of interest from fellow moms about terrible twos and how to deal with them. Today, I talked to my amazing sister-in-law who has four children of her own and deals with the many stages of children. She currently has kids ages 18 months to nine years and gives lots of advice on how to deal with the different personalities that come along with the different stages. She talks about the determined and stubborn child, the sensitive and more emotional child, the attached child, and the child who cannot quite communicate yet. She also talks about stay-at-home moms and some tips for them, as well as being on the same page as your spouse. I hope you enjoy our last podcast and thank you for listening. When we figured out I was pregnant, it was like he instantly just took control of our lives. So that being said, he still always is taking control (laughs) of all of our lives. He is the type of kid that's just really determined and he wants to be in charge and he has goals and he wants to be the smartest and he wants praise to be the smartest, but he'll never ask for it. But if you don't give it to him, then it's never good enough. So... Um, when he, like, even when he was in the womb, he would do this thing and he would like lock his knee. It was almost like he was saying like, mom, you can't be comfortable and I'm not going to unlock my knee just to prove that I'm in control here. Yeah. (laughs) And he would lock it and I like couldn't move to one side because he was like stretched out on my right side. His personality is just he in charge and he's nine now and He wants to constantly know what's next. He wants to do things on his own time and his own terms. And if he doesn't want to do it, say I like ask him to make his bed, heaven forbid, it's like the end of the world. He literally told me the other day, he said, why are you making my life so hard? And I said, I'm making your life hard by making your bed. And he was able to laugh it off because he's gotten a little bit maturity, but (laughs) a little bit more, but It was, it's just like anything hard that's not on his terms is like the end of the world to him. Yeah. So that's why. What parenting techniques have you guys found that works for maybe someone someone who likes to have a schedule, who needs to know what's happening? His personality is probably the hardest, probably because maybe I'm similar. Like I, I want to know what, I guess I don't need to know what next, but like I'm a, a list doer. And so when our lists are different on things that we want to do, that's when we clash heads. He needs, um, like when we do chore charts and like when he can visually see what he needs to accomplish in a day, because you're right, there's, there's stuff that we have to get done. So when he can visually see and physically check things off, he's more likely to be successful at doing stuff instead of me just constantly nagging him. And so because mornings have been such a controversial time, for him as far as like getting ready for school because he'll waste time doing things that he wants to do and not doing stuff as far as like getting ready for school. So um, Tyson and I decided to finally just kind of like leave it up to him. Like I'll wake him up Mm -hmm. and then it's his job to do whatever he's supposed to do before it's time to go to school. I'm not going to keep reminding him. And I would give him like 10 minute warnings and five minute warnings. And we did that for about a week. That was about two weeks ago. And all this week, he's gotten up by himself. I hadn't, I didn't have to go wake him up. 
And then by the time I'm even downstairs from getting the little kids ready for school, he's all ready to go and he's able to do stuff that he wants to do, like play on the Xbox for 10 minutes before school. And it's because we gave him the responsibility and the, yeah, the independence Mm -hmm. to be doing stuff on his own. That's what made him change. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a fight anymore because he was like, oh, I get it. If I can get stuff done on my own time, then I can have this free time before school. And that's what's his main goal. So he's that kid. Me telling him no or because he's such a a personality that pushes to get things done or like pushes, like he always wants to play a board game or he always wants to have a friend over. He always wants the next fun thing. And I think that's typical of any kid. But because of his personality and determination to get it done the way he wants to get it done, I had to learn to not squash that. And so I've had to relearn the art of distraction Um, if that makes sense, like to distract him on a new goal, like, well, we can't have friends over today, but if you can get this and this done, then I will spend 10 minutes reading a book with you, or we'll be able to watch a movie tonight before bed, like rewarding in a different way than what he originally thought. I feel like even with any child, if you can find the things that they love, 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 the art of distraction even comes into play, even when they're not toddlers and easily distracted. Um, I love his, he has a sense of humor much like his dad's and my brother's. So he can be silly and he really loves to quote movies, but his sense of humor when he's able to let go and not be so intense about everything is really funny. He can get me laughing pretty hard. So Annie has been one of my easiest kiddos. She's seven. Um, But because she's a girl, I think she's more sensitive like her feelings get hurt maybe a little bit easy more easily than Levi's do or maybe that's not true she's just able to to communicate that a little bit better she's at this stage of trying to figure out like friendship wise who who she can be friends with she's had kind of a rough year with like figuring out friends and I've realized um it took me a long time to realize actually that I can't be everything to my kids I think when especially when Levi was born because they, they're so needy on you all the time you're like I will fulfill this child's needs till the day he is out of my house and then they go to school and you realize oh they need like really good friends and I think that's where Annie is right now okay. she um she needs like friendships where she feels loved and appreciated and that's just her personality like her love language would be quality time like she's constantly asking for one-on-one time with me and Tyson or sometimes we like if she is the last one awake we'll take the time to have her come into our bedroom and watch a Disney Channel show just so that she can know that we're thinking about her and she can you know, just sit with just us instead of having all the kids constantly be a distraction. Yeah, so with Annie, we have to really watch just because she's so agreeable and willing to help and just kind of an easy kid. We really have to pay attention to, like, how how she's feeling, one that we can go to to have her help us out. So because she's the more sensitive one, I feel like, like, disciplinary-wise, like, She's not, I mean, she's she's really great. She's not perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. And so sometimes we realize that when she needs our attention, she kind of lashes out at her siblings 
whether it's like a snappy comment or, you know, is unwilling to help all of a sudden. So when she starts acting out, we realize that she needs maybe a little bit more quality time. And it's, it's pretty quick when we are able to give her that quality time. So she just really wants to be a part of any, any quality time. So if she can get time alone with anyone, she's all about that. But if dad or grandpa comes and takes Levi to wrestling or something, her feelings get really hurt that she can't tag along. It's kind of, she's a little bit, in the most loving way I say this, <laughs> but she's a little bit maybe manipulative of that, if that makes sense. She just thinks that she should be included in everything. And so we've kind of had to stick to our guns because the other kids realize that Annie gets a lot more quality time. But when it's their turn, we have to let them have their turn. So if she does have a meltdown, sometimes we just kind of have to let her have a meltdown. She will take the time to go cry. And then we're able to talk about it when she can gain control of her emotions a little bit. And she's able to logic through it, obviously. But she she will kind of have a meltdown when things don't go her way as far as quality time goes. I mean, things don't go her way all the time. But when it comes to quality time with someone she really loves, she gets a little bit more emotional about those things. The constant hugs and the constant compliments and making sure that he's like always smiling at her. She just picks up on everything. Like if I'm not feeling good that day, she, she picks up and then she internalizes it. So I have to be really careful to not let her internalize it and make sure she knows that even if mom's having a bad day, that doesn't mean that it's Annie's fault. And um, communication with her is probably the biggest thing to make sure that her feelings aren't being hurt. So if you have a sensitive child, I would say, they're sensitive because they they pay attention to the unsaid things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if you communicate with them, like she's a pretty logical kid, but if you communicate with them and reassure them that they're loved and that you appreciate them, then we've always been able to keep Annie happy that way, just by praising her. So Ellie is our, she's like our, our I don't know, she's our giggle maker. She does funny things all the time. And because she's um, preschool age, like preschool age, I feel like depending on the personality of the kid can either drive you bonkers or can be really, really enjoyable. And with Ellie, it is like my favorite stage because I think because of her background, she had infantile spasms when she was younger. So that means she was having these seizures, which would like literally time out her brain. So she couldn't She couldn't learn all that she needed to between the ages of like six and 18 months. So she was kind of stunted as far as her development. And so I think because she's been in all these therapies since she was 18 months old, like her learning curve is like really steep, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So she's just learning tons and tons and tons. And she's really, really excited about everything she learns. So anytime she goes to preschool, she comes home and she just tells me about her whole day and it's so fast. And the fact that she's talking so well and understanding all these things is just really exciting for all of us, for the entire family. And things she says and things she correlates to other things is just really funny to see how her brain is now connecting all these little things that she probably would have connected earlier on in life. But now that she can verbalize them, she verbalizes everything. So she's she's a snuggle bug. She also has some sensory she doesn't have sensory like a sensory disorder 
But she, yeah, she loves to be touched and squeezed and she loves to be upside down. She loves to do cartwheels. She loves to be twirling. She sucks her thumb. <laughs> so she's just, and the more tired she gets, the hyper he gets, she gets. So like, she'll just fight, fight sleep, which means she just gets funnier and funnier as right. the night goes on. She's not so needy right now. When she was going through all of her medical stuff, she definitely just needed me all the time. And that was really draining yeah. because I still had two. I mean, they were pretty young when she was that age, like around two years old. So because of all of her medical stuff, she was really, really attached to me, like physically had to be attached to me all the time. Right now, I think sometimes she decides to just be stubborn to need to have control over things, which usually ends up being Caleb, which means that she's in his face and usually, you know, causes a ruckus there. So she got treatment when she was 15 months old, which means that we were like in and out of the hospital for six weeks. Like we would spend almost every weekend in the hospital just so they could monitor her. And which meant that she was in like a new scary place every weekend, which meant that she would literally either sleep on top of me or with me in like a really uncomfortable hospital bed. So I think just with that, just with that like little stage of life, she got really attached to needing me to sleep, for needing me to go to sleep, to stay to sleep. And so when I would usually have free time because everyone was asleep, I couldn't because I had this little baby attached to me all the time. So it took a really long time for me to, one, get up enough energy to, like, listen to her cry just because of her background. And I think I'm just a sissy that way anyway. I don't, like, I'm really bad about letting my babies cry themselves to sleep or... I just can't do it. I'm a sissy. So I'm always about the snuggling to go to bed. But with her, it got to the point where she couldn't even stay asleep without, like, having me physically there. So it was just a long – it took a, a really long time for us to work her into being able to be independent. And we tried to substitute things, like like she would have a weighted blanket or she, we tried to give her a bunny and just tried to figure out – I think it's probably different with every kid, but tried to figure out something that could replace mom. And eventually it ended up working out. It was, it was really hard. That was probably like the sleep training part of Ellie's life was the really, really tough part of her life. Well, and the medical stuff, sleep training her to just go to sleep by herself and stay in her bed. I mean, it's, she still gets out of her bed. We also did, I mean, we even had like, because she was in therapy all the time, I was talking with therapists all the time. So the therapist always talked about, like, talking to her about um, nap time and bedtime, like, all the time. Like, wouldn't it be great when we can go to sleep and you'll be able to snuggle with your bunny and your blanket and, like, hyping it up a little bit to make it, like, an exciting time. And then to also put in there, like, and then mommy's going to go do a couple things. And then when you wake up, we can play again or whatever it is. We did a lot of, like, talking about it. We also had, we had a therapist make a book for us. So we made, like, pictures about what's going to happen during bedtime and talked about how everybody in our family had their own bed and they had to stay in their own bed. And we took pictures of everybody's bed and we matched up who went in each bed and we realized, oh, there's one bed left, and who has to go in that bed? And that was kind of how the book ended, was that it was Ellie's bed, and Ellie had to go in her bed, and no one else could fit in that bed. <laughs> and so it was just this 
this little book that we read every single nap time, every single bedtime. But I'm not kidding you. It took a while and it was exhausting, but it eventually paid off because she's, she's great about going to bed. She's also my kid that will be like, I'm tired. And she'll go lay in her bed now, which is a small miracle. He's 18 months old. So he has those times where he's just beside himself. Like he can't communicate what he wants. I don't even think he knows what he wants. So he kind of has a tantrum. But I'm really good at, like, stepping over him while he has his tantrum. <laughs> Caleb's, like, just whining and, like, needing me. This is his new thing is to grab my hand and, like, need me to go get something, even though he doesn't really know what it is. It's almost like that's him asking me for attention, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So um, I usually try three times to figure out what he wants, which usually escalates him to the point where he's, like, beside himself, like, screaming, throwing himself on the floor kind of thing. Once it gets to that point, I usually just say, okay, I think we're all done. And then I step over him and, like, move out of sight. Mm -hmm. And then he realizes, oh, I guess laying on the floor probably didn't work. So then he usually comes and finds me. Sometimes this happens, like, three or four times. And it's usually when it's close to nap time or bedtime. So exhaustion probably has a big key to do with it with him. But, um, But then he'll come find me. He'll do the same thing, try to communicate what he needs. And then again, I try like three different times, like offering him whatever it is, goldfish. Do you need your binky? Do you need a drink? And then that usually sends him on the floor again. And then I just step over him and walk away. And this is, it's not a perfect process because there are some times where I'm like, Caleb, I don't know what you want. And I get frustrated. But with this little of kids, I feel like ignoring that tantrum behavior is actually pretty productive. I wouldn't say that for every age of child if that makes sense like I'm not going to ignore the fact that Levi is beating up his sister and Mm -hmm. ignore that behavior and try to distract him for that because he's old enough to know that that's not okay and there should be consequences for that but for Caleb he's still like trying to figure out how to talk it's probably really frustrating he has teeth coming in so he has to get a little bit more slack if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and I think that's obvious for any parent but ignoring the the tantrum behavior is hopefully going to work someday he's still pretty like when he gets tired he gets upset I mean like when Levi was two he was determined right so if I were if I had to say no like no you can't have the millionth fruit snack like you can't have anymore it's Mm -hmm. not good for your body (laughs) if I were to say no that usually ensued a tantrum and so I would I would usually just do the same thing. Like, I always felt like I was stepping over a crying toddler, which seems really mean because you're not giving them the attention that they're so desperately trying to seek, I guess. It made them realize, oh, mom's not here anymore. So I guess I have to stop throwing this tantrum and figure out either where she is and try again or figure out something else I want to do. And with Levi, when I stepped over him, he would kind of scream there for a minute and then get distracted with something he found on the floor or he would move on to the next thing just because I really don't think he knew what he was throwing fit over by that point. But when they get to a certain age, you have to make it clear that they need to communicate, especially when they can communicate. Like when they're two and a half or three, it's very normal for them to throw tantrums, but you have to make sure that you let them know that that's probably not the best way to to communicate and just say that like, oh, I can't understand you when you're crying. I say that all the time when all my kids were three and four. Or two and especially to all the moms out there that are staying home and like the 
I don't want to say the sole caretaker, but, you know, you're with your kids most of the day, you mm-hmm. know, like 80% of the day, and then dad comes home. If that's your typical um, daily routine, I would get really kind of lost there for a while, especially when your kids are little. Because, like, even now, Caleb's at a point where I'm, it's, like, not even worth going anywhere. And so I made it my goal to, since I... And busy, busy, like at least Monday through Thursday to make Friday like a fun day. And all the kids know it. Like when they come home, it's pizza movie night. When I'm at home with Ellie and Caleb during the day, we're watching movies or we're doing puzzles. And just to like make sure you are taking a break for yourself to also know that dad, like when he comes home, is a good source, maybe confirm good behavior. Like make sure you're on the same page with your husband, obviously. But I've realized that my kids respond a lot differently to their dad than they do to me. And if you're on the same page and, you know, communicating about how you want to parent, then I think it's just having a different adult say the same words <laughs> other than your mom, if that makes sense. It's it's like more powerful when Tyson says the words or kind of backs me up on disciplinary stuff or and let your husband do that. Don't don't think that he's being too harsh. I mean, he could very well be being too harsh, but let him discipline in a way that he feels is going to get the most results, if that makes sense. It just gets really taxing as a mom when you're repeating yourself a million times and doing the same monotonous routine every single week. It helps to have your partner in crime kind of step in and do how he thinks things need to be done. Just don't, just let him be a parent. Our, our biggest goal as parents is to try to not yell. But when you, I mean, you have four different personalities. Well, we, we have four different personalities, four different age groups. And so it gets really taxing. And that being said, we don't want yelling to be a part of our routine. And we're really, really working hard on it. I think that's what I'm, I'm saying. I wish that we could get to a point where we didn't feel like we had to yell to get their attention. And so we're trying to pedal backwards on that one, like trying to figure out what's the best way to get everybody working together. And I think the older they get, like with Levi, how we gave him independence and we're like, you're in charge of this now. Like if you're late, you're late. And he responded to that. So treat your children like the smart kids that you think they're going to be and don't talk down to them if that makes sense. You've been listening to Maternal Monitor. Find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you can find podcasts. I'm your host, Jamin Wilson, and thanks for listening.